Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. I know you have a lot of favorite verses in the Bible. What would you, if you had to say top two or even top one, what's one of them? Well, yeah, I mean, when you say it that way, my one of my favorites is Ephesians 3.20. You know, God will do beyond what we can even imagine be more. according to his power and the Holy Spirit. So that would be probably my number one. But there's a verse in the in the book of Revelation. And, you know, even when you just say that, people go, oh, you know, there's so many metaphors. It's the end of the world and end times and eschatology. But there's one that sort of scares me. Mm. It's in the second chapter of the book of Revelation when the angel is revealing what he says to the seven churches. And to one of the churches, he said, you've lost your first love. Mm -hmm. That scares me. Yeah, I'll read it. You know, it's in Revelation 2, 4 and 5, which says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. No, don't, don't read anymore. Oh, okay. Because, you know, the question is, when you've lost your first love, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I don't think most people would go where this Revelation passage goes as the next thing. Here's what you do. So we want to talk about that today. we got Uche Anazor back in the studio with us, theology professor from Biola. He's come a long way from Los Angeles to Orlando to be on Family Life today. Welcome back. It's great to be here. Yeah, so you're over there smiling a little bit. I'm guessing you've sort of looked at this passage and thought about it because you wrote a book about overcoming apathy. And we spent, you know, a day talking about just losing your zeal for God, and you've been there, I've been there, I think everybody's been there, and how do we dig out of that? But when you hear that passage, because it's really like you've lost your first love, mm -hmm. which can be obviously with our walk with God, it could be in our marriage, um, you know what it says next. Mm -hmm. That's probably why you're smiling. Yeah. But I think, you know, what is revealed, you know, in the book of Revelation about what to do when you've lost your zeal is that the right answer? Tell us what it says. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it says uh, repent mm -hmm. and remember um, the things you did at first. Yes. Which, which is powerful. Because the solution is, is not this sort of uh, radical, mystifying solution. Christ is saying, all right, you had an intensity of love before. What did you do during that time when you had this intensity of love? Revisit that. And for that church, it, it may have been, basic spiritual practices. It, it may have been them just doing better at owning their sin and, re and repenting. It, it may have been them doing fellowship with one another. It could have been a number of things. Right. But Christ is saying, don't just sit there perplexed. <laughs> Engage with the things that you did at first. And you may actually find that, that you've regained that first love. Yeah. And I think, you know, often when we think of, of, of our own spiritual walk, when we hear I've lost my first love, I don't think that's where we would go. We'd be like, oh, I got to get my love back. It's almost like a marriage. It's like, I've got to just fall back in love. It's like, how do you do that? Well, what did you do when you were dating? That's what right. did you do when you were engaged? Those activities gave you an appreciation of love. So think about, at least in my mind, in marriage, if you go back to those early days, what did you do? You sat, you talked, which means spiritually you're in the word, you're mm -hmm. listening to God, you're talking to God. You're getting to know God. You see things and attributes about God that you never seen before. You're mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, that this is who you are. It stokes a fire in your heart. Yeah. So that works in a marriage. Yeah. Does it work that way in a spiritual walk? 
It can. I think one of the complicating things that we have to just be really honest about um, with our spiritual lives is familiarity breeds contempt, right? Mm. So the more that we're familiar with these enormous realities of, of the Christian faith, sadly, we grow numb to them. So the average Christian, imagine they go to 40 services a year, 45, 50 services a year, and they're hearing church services, church services, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're hearing stuff about Jesus, stuff about the gospel, and then they listen to Christian radio, and then they have Christian songs. <laughs> they listen to Family Life they, Today. They listen to Family Life Today. <laughs> exactly. Imagine that. And they're just inundated with the good news. Yeah. And as much as we want to say, you should always be excited about the good news, the reality of being human, mm. not to mention the, the sinful reality of being human, we're going to grow numb to things that are familiar. Mm. And so it really is a battle that we're engaged in to stay excited and passionate about very familiar things. Well, not only that, but we live in a world where it's competing for our affection That's and right. our time. That's right. So if we do get a little bored in the spiritual aspect, we have something over here right. in the world that can fill us up That's right. and bring us pleasure. And so then we kind of walk away or maybe not even walk away we drift a little bit without realizing it and yesterday we even talked about apathy of what that means let me read the definition that you put in your book apathy is a psychological and spiritual sickness in which we experience a prolonged dampening of motivation effort and emotion as well as a resistance to do things that that would bring flourishing in ourselves and others it's a sin that expresses itself as restlessness, aimlessness, laziness, and joylessness toward the things of God. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are like, ooh, that just hit hard. Yeah. I think we think of apathetic people as just sort of like lazy couch potatoes, you know, <laughs> yeah. just lounging with Ben and Jerry's, watching Netflix every day, you know, <laughs> and, and that may be the case, but I, I think it's... What I try to do in the book is I try to identify it as it's a spiritual thing. We're actually engaged in a spiritual battle, and and there's a a real enemy that wants to keep us engaged with things that are trivial and meaningless and wants us to to feel sort of uh, blah about the things that are life-giving and things that that help me flourish and other people flourish. And so it's a real spiritual battle that that we're actually engaged in. And so how do we engage in a spiritual battle? We, going back to, to Revelation, we remember the things we did at first. That's going to be the baseline. We have to re-engage with the things we did at first. Yeah, and repent, which means I've got to be honest and say, you know what? That is me. Amen. Yeah. It isn't just, you know, my wife. Of course it's my wife. (laughs) But, no, I think that's what we do. We point out others. That's right. And some of the most judgmental people probably have the hardest, coldest, apathetic hearts there is. I know I've been there at times. And it's somewhat scary. It's like, how do I dig out of that? Mm -hmm. So repent would mean... Own up to your own sin. That's right. Say, this is wrong. This is who I am. I'm going to turn away from that and do the things I did at first, well which said. is going to restoke some. I think one of the best things I learned as a new follower of Christ, I was a college kid, I was a junior in, in college. I got involved with crew. But my mentor, who was actually another student, he was a, a married student, taught me what a quiet time was, a hmm. daily time to sit with God's word and pray and study and even worship. One of the things he told me, and I I didn't know, not a lot of people ever heard this. He said, you need to change this up. It shouldn't look the same every month, every year. Like, it isn't always going to be this 
six months later from now, you may emphasize this more. Yeah. Or, or That's good advice. Because some things will get wrote and they just won't have any impact. Well, then move on from that. It yeah. doesn't mean don't read the word anymore. That's right. Just read it different ways, different things. Is that helpful? No, I think that's that's really well said. And why is it that I can get excited about a new Netflix show versus the Bible or something, something like that? Hmm. Part of the reason is it's new. And when it's new, it's engaging, even though there, there are only so many plot lines you can have in, in a movie and whatever. But at the same time, it's just new. And we have to recognize that we have a hunger for new things or for things to be expressed in new ways. And so we just need to own that and change things up, find different ways to engage God's word. So for the last you know couple of years, my primary way of engaging with God's word is through listening. I've never done that for the mm-hmm. entirety of my Christian life. But now now I do it through like, you know, Bible app or whatever. I, I listen to listen to scripture. That's my way of sort of just changing things up, adding a little bit of spice, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term, to my relationship with the Lord. And I think we just need to be honest with ourselves and say, we crave novelty. Novelty is not good in and of itself, but we need it every now and again. I think that is really reassuring because we think, oh, I'm not as consistent as this other person that does the same thing for the last 10 years. Lately, when I've been walking, I'll listen to these amazing sermons. And then this week, I just thought, I'm going to leave all of that at home. I'm going to leave my phone at home and I'm just going to pray and I'm going to listen. I'm going to think because sometimes I fill my head so much with so much stuff that I don't feel and experience God's presence, his pleasure, his promptings in the spirit and just talking to him and then giving myself space. For me, that's really important. Do you ever do that? Well, I remember uh, I was just thinking when you were saying that, um, a few years ago, well, it's been almost a decade now, one of our sons went to Passion Conference in the Georgia Dome, and there were 60,000, 70,000 college kids there. So, you know, as a parent, you're so excited. Your kid's going to this. He was a sophomore, I think, in college, and he came home just, you can imagine, on fire. And we've all had those retreats, yeah. Oh yeah. and he's in a stadium with all these college kids. And I'll never forget, we're sitting in our family room, and he says, Dad... I just got to play you this worship course that we were singing hmm. down there. And uh, he started playing this song. It was just a simple. In fact, you know what? We got a guitar. Oh. Yes. I was hoping this would happen. Get ready, Bruce. You need to put all the things on there now. <laughs> I did not even plan to do this. I don't this think Bruce can do it. I hope I can remember how it goes. Yeah. So. I mean, we're literally sitting in our living room. Anne wasn't there. We're alone. He just puts this on, and this is all they were singing. Set a fire down in my soul. If I can't contain that I can't control, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Here's all I know. It starts building, right? Hmm. And I'm not kidding. Three and a half minutes in, we are both standing up. Wow. <laughs> alone in our home singing. It was just this beautiful moment hmm. that I'll never forget. Yeah. With my son. Yeah. And think about the lyrics of that song. Mm-hmm. You can hardly even call it a song. Yeah. It's just a simple a prayer yeah. of I want, too. I want fire back in my soul. Yeah. I don't want to be apathetic. I don't want to be a, a follower who's lost his first love. Here's all I'm telling you, yeah. Jay. What happened from that day forward for me is that ignited something that had 
had sort of left me at that season of my life, and that was singing worship choruses, yeah. hymns. Yeah. I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, playing bands. Mm-hmm. And I, it was something that was really important to me early in my Christian yeah. walk. I was at a season of my life where that was just something, well, it's something I did. Yeah. It's something we do at church. All I can tell you is this. I started reigniting that part of my spiritual walk. When I would be in the Word in the morning, I would put on a worship song. I'd get my guitar. I'd sing a worship song. Here's all I can tell you. A zealous fire came back to my walk with God in that season. And again, we're not sitting here saying, and I know you're not saying this, UJ, like the only way that you're going to stoke the fire in your soul for Jesus is singing worship right. songs. Yeah. But it might be something like that. No, I, I think that's a brilliant connection you made you know, with Revelation, reengaging the things that we did at first, mm. and there God met you, and yeah. he lit a fire. Okay, yeah. let's go to this Beautiful. area. I'm imagining a listener thinking, man, if my teenage son or daughter were so excited and zealous about God and they wanted to show me this worship song. That would be amazing, and maybe some have. But others of us, maybe we have someone that's super apathetic, that they had committed their lives to Christ. We saw a zeal, but now there's a waning of that. And as parents, especially with teenage kids, we're not sure how to address that or what to do. And And they're they're often saying, I don't care about, you know. Yeah, they're teenagers. Yeah, just going through you that. have a fourteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. What's the best way for parents to interact in that way? Well, I am no expert, and and my fourteen-year-old <laughs> is sort of an odd fourteen-year-old. She's stellar in in mm. every way, and so she's had a sort of steady zeal for God and for God's word for I don't know, maybe ten years now. Mm. You know, wow. and so before she was she was ten, she had read the Bible. She read the Bible and the New Testament twice. Come on. By the time she was 10. Really? During her like 9 to 10 year. She's been very committed. And so I'm just saying that as a preface, like I didn't do anything yeah. there. That, <laughs> that, that, that was the Lord. You However, did. But But you're also working with college students. Yeah. So again, it, it's difficult because the causes of apathy are person specific. And so the last thing I want to do is to say to someone, it's going to be one of these two things. It's just not a formula. Like w- what we're trying to do is we're trying to cultivate whole people mm. and cultivating whole people um, is something that takes some nuance. It takes some engagement with them. It takes a relationship. Um, it takes you being able to really assess, okay, here are the several factors I, I think are at play and then just starting somewhere. It might be, as I said earlier, with college students, um, they may just not be engaging with the things that they know are primary and basic. That could be. But maybe over the course of time in, in engaging with one or, you know, with a college student, I realized, man, like they are struggling with something like grief, for instance. Like they, mm. they're mourning either like a real loss, you know, in terms of like a family member or they're mourning just like losses in life. You know, like when you're like a third culture kid, for instance, you know, I'm just giving an, an example. You experience the loss of things, you know, the loss of relationships, the loss of familiarity, these kinds of things. And, and so there are a lot of things that we grieve over. And so, for instance, uh, a student may be grieving hmm. losses, but they haven't processed the grief. And so one of the outcomes of not dealing with grief or processing grief is we grow numb. Hmm. And it's sort of a coping mechanism. Mm. If that numbness is apathy, then the apathy is tied to grief. But the only way I'm going to know that is by knowing this person and questions, right? And so... And then, so you're saying, too, don't shame them. No. Because that's probably what I would have done. Mike, why aren't you reading your Bible and where's your zeal? That doesn't help. No, but it takes a combination of being willing to speak the truth in love, right? So Mm -hmm. there really has to be love. And so love means patience and 
a willingness to sort of like walk with. But at some point, if we're just noticing there's just a resistance and, and you don't want to do the basics, then you have to say that because you want to remove whatever sort of like cloud of mystique around apathy. Um, it may not be mysterious at all. It may just be really straightforward. You don't want to engage with God. So it's actually a sinful lack of desire to engage with God. And it has nothing to do with the sort of like perplexing apathy. It's just, I don't care about God. Mm. And that to me is somewhat different. So the, so the apathetic person is I'm a Christian who, who really, really knows that God is good. And I really, really know that the missions is wonderful and evangelism is great and the Bible is wonderful and all these kinds of things, but I just can't get myself there. That's a different person than the person who's kind of like, I just don't care. Like, I really don't care about God. And I don't want to pursue him. Yeah. That's not apathy. That's like a strict hard heartedness toward God. And mm. I, I think they're subtly different. I think it'd be really interesting if you have kids old enough to have this discussion to talk about apathy. So you, you could even share a definition. This is what we heard today. This is what the definition of apathy is. What do you guys feel about that? Like, mm-hmm. have you experienced that? And I would say as a parent, like, we all do yeah. to normalize it. And what do you do when you're in that state and what helps you to get out of that spiritually speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be great to do with yeah, teenage I, kids. Especially. I don't know if I'm right. I was also thinking, well, the best things you could do for an apathetic kid or teenager is be on fire yourself. Yeah, say yeah. model it. Yeah, Again, you, model you can't it. fake that because right. they'll sniff that out That's right. faster than anybody. Yeah. But if they see a mom or dad that is genuinely zealous for God, mm-hmm. it's something you can't walk around in your home. You right. feel it. You smell it. It's That's right. beautiful. That's right. You want it, actually. Yeah. Right. And so that would be, I mean, it's, you can tell them what to do, show them what to do. It's like, man, when they see you living it, it's sort of caught, not taught, right? Yeah. And we have to make allowances for different personalities yeah. are going to some degree express the yeah. deal differently, yeah. right? So some folks are, you know, I have a good friend of mine. He's a colleague at Biola who to me is one of the most passionate people I know. Love him to death. He's influenced me a lot. But he's not like loud, mm-hmm. passionate. And he's not like overly expressive passionate but like there's a fire mm. and there's a zeal for the glory of god in this guy's life you know um, so he's not painting himself up at a football game with the different <laughs> he's colors not, he's not you know guy. with no shirt on but no, he's, he's not just guy. as passionate but he's, as that but he's guy. passionate he's yeah. passionate for jesus and his, and life, his life is yeah. is committed here it's been great for me to, to see an example of here's zeal he's about 10 years older than me and he's zealous mm. but then there, there are the other types who are like you're just the Type A, cheerleader, you know, cheerleader yeah. type, yeah. that's just rah, rah. And, that, and that's legit too, right. but there are different ways to be zealous. So we want to be able to hold two things at the same time. We want to be able to say, no one's off the hook. Everyone needs to cultivate a zeal for God. We also want to say our zeal for God is going to look different. Yeah, that's good. And we allow for that. Especially with our kids too, because our kids are so different. That's so right. We talked about, you know, getting in the word to get zeal, prayer, um, disciplines, worship. Here's one that just hit me. That I think, at least, again, maybe it's personality, but it brings back a zealous fire for God is when you step out in faith and trust him in a scary way Mm -hmm. and he shows up. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he always shows up, answers your prayer perfectly. But when he comes through, and often it isn't like I'm watching somebody else's story. No, I'm the one that wrote the check that I is bigger than I, uh, I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Or I share faith with somebody, a neighbor, mm-hmm. and it's scary. Yeah. And then you see God just show up. 
don't you just fight? Like, what just happened to my spiritual walk? I'm just excited. That's right. And again, it may not be a, a cheerleader type excitement, but there's a a fire in me that's like, God just did something. That's exactly that, right. That I was scared to death. He showed up. You go tell somebody. Am I right? That's exactly right. Like, if doubt is a killer of zeal, mm. what we're doubting is oftentimes God's realness. Like, is God really, really real? Yeah. And is he real in my day to day? Is he real for me rather than real for some other dude? And if God actually shows up, then that's going to contribute to my excitement and yeah. passion for him. Yeah. If you're sitting there and you've been feeling the nudge of God to take a risk, whether it's to share Christ with a neighbor or I don't know what it is, step into a conversation, trust God in a, in a great way, do it. Amen. Let's see what happens. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life, and our goal is to develop godly families and marriages that change the world one home at a time. One of the ways that we do this is through this radio broadcast, Family Life Today, which is heard in 47 countries and in four languages. We also partner with those around the world who share our desire to support and encourage strong marriages and families. Many of these partners are sharing family life resources in their countries. Maybe that's yours. We have resources which may be helpful to you on topics such as growing in your faith, forgiveness, dating and romance, parenting, finances, and much more. You'll find information about these resources at FamilyLife.com. And you can also email us, global at FamilyLife.com, with any of your questions or concerns. In fact, keep that email address handy, global at FamilyLife.com. We'd love to hear from you. You're part of the Family Life family, and we want to know how God is using Family Life today in your life. Please email us today. And also let us know what country you live in. We might have a family life ministry there and would love to connect you. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our entire broadcast team for the work they put in behind the scenes. We hope you've enjoyed the broadcast and that you'll be back for another edition of Family Life Today. Family life, help for today, hope for tomorrow. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you need some practical help in your relationship and aren't quite sure where to turn? We offer relationship checkups where you will meet with one of our trained relationship coaches 
who will help equip you with some new tools while you take a more holistic look at your relationship. For more information, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Need Help tab and get started today. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday at the same time for another edition of Family Life Today. Thank you.